Welcome to the party, pal. The Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, yeah. Across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com. And around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Good morning and welcome to the program. Thursday. How did we get to Thursday so fast? It's, wow, just just a day, man. Wow. So much going on. Uh, appreciate you guys uh, coming in and joining us today for the Thursday edition of the Michael Duke Show. Welcome to the 6 o'clock club. Man, you guys are dedicated getting up so early, being part of the program, doing your thing, uh, coming in, becoming official members, because that's really all it takes is making sure you listen in the 6 o'clock hour. <laughs> and that's how, that's how you become official members of the 6 o'clock club. Um, it's pretty... It's pretty simple. Uh, I mean, I'm a simple guy. That's just, you know. I didn't want any kind of lengthy sign-ups or anything else like that. All you had to do was wake up, listen, turn to the radio and smile and realize, yes, yes, you have given yourself to the 6 o'clock club. So welcome to it. Thank you for coming in and being part of it this morning. All right. Um, today's program. What is in the works for us today? Well, um, we were successful. Well, I guess partially successful. We were trying to get uh, Jonathan Christ Tompkins on the program to talk about uh, the fiscal policy working group. And I've been working on that for like five or six weeks now. <laughs> so it didn't it didn't happen. I mean, every time we talk about it, it's, you know, but uh, we're, we're I'm still hopeful that here shortly we will be able to. Uh, to get him on the program to talk about those kind of things. But I was successful in uh, reaching out uh, for our guest today in hour two, taking over pretty much the whole hour, uh, will be uh, the first time we get a chance to talk to a GOP candidate for U.S. Uh, for the U.S. House of Representatives, Nicholas Baggage III. Um, it, uh, it, it's... Good stuff. We're going to talk with uh, Nick Baggage here in hour two of the program, and we're going to use it as a deep dive, man. We're going to get a chance to uh, kind of ask him all the questions. I know that there's been a lot of hesitation in the um, uh, in the uh, you know in the chat room amongst some of the listeners, and I mean I guess rightly so. You know when you say Baggage inside of the state of Alaska. You know, maybe you think of the first Nick Baggage, who, uh, you know, served in Congress uh, and then was lost. Maybe you think about, you know, Mark Baggage. Maybe you think about Tom Baggage. I mean, these are the names that you think. And these are all names that are, um, <clears throat> you know, predominantly and, uh, you know, uh, uh, democratic. I mean, that's what that's kind of how you associate it. Uh, but Nick Baggage is uh, kind of a, I guess his branch of the family is kind of the black sheep branch, the different branch of the tree, so to speak. 
and uh, they are uh, conservatives and uh, and Republicans, which I guess every family's got to have one that goes one way or the other, right? You get the conservative family with the one liberal, or you get the liberal family with the one conservative. So I suppose it does happen. But people, you know, they're they're just a little cautious, and understandably so. Uh, but that's why we've invited Nick uh, onto the program to talk with us today about that and more. And it should be a good chance to kind of uh, visit with him. Uh, interestingly enough, in hour one this morning, we're going to hit some headlines, and there just happens to be a story today talking about <clears throat> the uh, mentorship of Don Young, and uh, and and the and the three candidates who have been tapped were tapped by him at one point or another to um, uh, to replace him, uh, which of course includes Nick Baggage and Tara Sweeney. And apparently the heir, well, I guess I guess that's redundant. Apparently the heir apparent. <clears throat> it might be redundantly redundant. But the heir apparent, Josh Revac, who has been uh, endorsed not only by Young's widow, but also uh, this story in the ADN quotes, uh, his daughter is saying something similar. So we're going to talk about all that here in the first uh, hour, in the first uh, segment for sure. Uh, because I find that interesting. But anyway, Nick Beggage is going to be joining us uh, in hour two, and I'm looking forward to that conversation. I've been wanting to talk to Nick for quite some time now. Um, so we're, we're going to be doing that in hour two. In hour one here in this first segment, I'm going to dive into some of the headlines. And uh, I've got enough headlines that could take us through pretty much the whole first hour of the program this morning. But you know what? We haven't really had an open line, open form segment this week. And I find that to be the most entertaining, <laughs> question mark, enjoyable. I love talking to Alaskans. Um, now, <clears throat> most importantly, I love talking to new Alaskans as well. So if you've been listening to the show for a while and you've always wanted to sound off on one thing or another, we'd love to hear from you. So feel free to uh, ring us up here after the first segment. I'm going to open up the phone lines here in about uh, eight, nine minutes. And uh, we're going to take start taking some phone calls and uh, see what uh, uh, what uh, what you have to say about well pretty much anything. Um, and there's a variety of topics here that that I want to get into. Um, I could spend the whole first segment. I could have I mean started with this on the whole young thing. Um, there's also a discussion on. I don't know how many of you are politically inclined enough to be following some of the more esoteric conversations that are going on around out there. But there's been this debate over <clears throat> who a blogger was. And in fact, I think if you remember, I think it was Jeff Landfield that that offered a, was it a $1,000, $1,000 reward? Maybe it was 100 I can't remember. He offered some cash money to anybody who could help unmask and figure out who the author of the Blue Alaskan blog was. And uh, it got, I mean, it really ginned up some interesting stuff. Now, if you've ever followed or read the Blue Alaskan stuff, it's pretty obvious that whoever's there <clears throat> has a real disdain for, well, let's just say conservative values uh, or freedom or liberty or many other things. Um, but uh, he finally, uh, he finally unmasked himself uh, or... He unmasked himself with the help of the Democratic Party. Uh, this all started, it's being reported uh, this morning in Must Read, Alaska. Jeannie Devon, who is the communications director of the Alaska Democratic Party, 
announced her departure from the party. She came from the mudflats to begin with. Um, but in her departure, she announced that the Democratic Party was thrilled to announce that Matthew Beck, who has been writing the Blue Alaskan blog since 2020, will be stepping up to take the communications director's role at the Alaska Democratic Party. Um, they, I mean, they, it was just kind of this out of the blue, bam, you know, fully admitting, admitting that he is the author of the blog. They didn't provide any other information on him, any background other than to say that there couldn't be a better person to fill this critical position in the ADP staff. Matthew has proven for the last two years that he has the chops, the talent, and the values that will serve him well in this role. Sometimes in Alaska, we think that we have to settle or to compromise our values. He knows and understands that we are proud to be Democrats and that our values mean something. Alaska is becoming more blue, more diverse, and his outstanding work at the Blue Alaskan exemplifies this. So... Surprise! I was just like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, this is like, wow. <clears throat> he is a passionate and dedicated, just like me, said Devin. And like me, started off as an anonymous blogger who worked on a volunteer basis for years, not because of money, but because of genuine commitment and caring about the people of Alaska. So I guess we'll see. What, what, that, um, I guess we'll see what's been going on there. Anyway, Matthew Beck, I don't know anything else about him. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if he's any relation to uh, to, uh, to Tim Beck, who is the uh, former Fairbanks Assemblyman, who's also on the ballot for U.S. House. I don't know if he's uh, um, Matthew Beck, former Matsu Assembly Rep. I guess not. I guess it's a different M- Matt Beck. Anyway, I don't know anything about it, but it's always interesting to watch, and especially when everybody, nobody could figure it out, and then he gets outed by... Uh, I guess you had to. I guess you had to lay out some street cred at that point. When you get a position like that, you got to lay out some street cred and be like, "Yeah, that's me. <clears throat> that's me right there. I wrote that. I wrote that." Uh, so anyway, we'll uh, we'll see what that comes about. It, but uh, yeah, the blue Alaskan unmasked. Ooh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Um, I mentioned it yesterday, but I'll mention it again today. Everybody needs to be on the lookout for your ballots. They headed out. The Division of Elections yesterday did the big mail-out of all the ballots, and uh, we should be seeing those in our mailboxes here in the next couple of days. You should start seeing them pop up around the state. And, uh, of course, uh, you you need to be concerned. You need to be not concerned. You need to be... Well, I guess concerned is not the word I want. What do I want? You need to be proactive in making sure that your ballot security is taken care of. So just FYI, um, the ballot will show up. You you know, get it out of your mailbox, take care of it, move over. Uh, you could do what I'm doing, uh, which, you know, while I'm counting on the USPS to, uh, to uh, uh, get us uh, – the ballot to us directly. I'm not counting on them to return it. Once my ballots are done, I will be hand delivering them to whatever local office uh, is going to be uh, available. They actually said yesterday in the ADN story that they were going to announce yesterday where you could um, where you could go get your uh, your ballot in person or where you could vote in person. Um, 
and they don't they didn't update the story. It still says Fanami I said that polling locations will be announced Wednesday, which of course is yesterday. Many of those polling places will be open for multiple days. Um, I'm assuming you can go to do a division of elections office uh, and uh, be able to drop those off or what. But uh, anyway, we will uh, we, we'll we'll keep an eye out on that. But just be aware in case you missed it. Vigilant. Thank you. Boy, everybody. You know, when you get old sometimes and you lose your words, it's like I don't want to be cautious. I just want to. Vigilant. Vigilant is a great word. Thank you so much. Uh, Greg says, hopefully his didn't burn up in the mail truck on the way down to Homer. I was just thinking about that. I mean, luckily, it didn't go out until yesterday, and the truck had already burned up by that point. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. Here's hoping that all those people on the peninsula, that they just didn't lose, uh, you know, thousands of uh, ballots in the truck. If for some reason it did, if they, like, sent them out early the night before and they were just announcing it Wednesday and it happened to be on that truck, Oof. I think I would probably go to the Division of Elections um, and double-check. There is a website. Uh, election officials are encouraging voters to check their listed address online at, do you have a pen and paper, or can you remember this? Myvoterinformation.alaska.gov. Myvoterinformation.alaska.gov. Now, if the address is incorrect, you can update it at voterregistration.alaska.gov. But myvoterinformation.alaska.gov is the place to go. And, uh, yeah, I think you guys should be should be watching for that. Um, maybe. Maybe they, uh, maybe, they, maybe they had ballots in the mail already Wednesday morning when that darn thing. Because it burned up what, yesterday? It was, uh, it was th- Tuesday, right? It was Tuesday, early Tuesday morning. So maybe, just maybe... Uh, you dodged a bullet on that, and they're actually on their way out. I don't know. All right, um, we've got uh, we've got more coming up here. We're going to be opening up the phone lines to take open line, open form. I still want to talk about the uh, the uh, this ADN article about <clears throat> Don Young's three air appearance. Uh, because apparently he was very fond of telling everybody that, oh, yeah, you'll be my successor. Oh, and you'll be my successor. Oh, and you'll be my successor. Nobody knew what was going on. But we'll uh, we'll talk about that and more when we return, uh, as well as the advent of the new shot. I wanted to talk about this as well, um, that Moderna is now seeking to be the first uh, uh, pharmaceutical company with COVID shots for children under the age of, I guess, five or six. Uh, because right now only children ages five or older can be vaccinated, and this is the one for children under that age. And uh, I want to, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that a little bit. All right, we're going to continue that, but uh, we're up against the break, so let's just uh, do our thing, and we will be back. The Michael Luke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. We'll continue. Again, Nick Begish joining us in Hour 2. Phone lines are now open up at uh, 433-3150. 907-433-3150. The Pivotel call-in line, powered by our friends at Pivotel and Satellite West. We will be back with more right after this. 
Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, uh, in the break right now. Um, All right. Um, Alaska Blue, there are only two races there for the most part, the natives and the white black. Um, Ex-Marine, I I don't know. I don't think you really know what you're talking about, bud, because that's where I am right now. So there you go. Um, Herman said there's an echo all of a sudden. Uh, I don't know why there would be an echo just all of a sudden, uh, but uh, I don't think anybody else is complaining about it. Herman, you may need to uh, refresh your browser or your app or whatever it is that you're listening to me on today. Okay, let me go back up to the... uh, Oh, first, I know that there was a phone line on hold. Uh, I guess I should get this caller's name so I sound semi-intelligent when we return to the radio. So let's uh, do that. Uh, Whoops. Let me uh, take him off hold, take him over here. Good morning, caller. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Yeah, this is Brady from Las Vegas. Hey, Brady. Uh, you want to hold the line for a second? We'll be right back to you. Yeah, I want to talk about the Moderna. Thanks for bringing it up. Okay, hold the line. We'll be right back to you here in just a second. Um, all right. Um uh, first, is why so? It's because we have no life. One benefit of insomnia. People talking about the 6 o'clock club. Oh, Greg broke his 6 o'clock club mug. Uh, I think there's still, well, there may still be some over at Captain's Coffee, Greg. You may need to go check over there. Uh, I don't know if they have any more left, but it's possible. Um, all right. Good morning from Kodiak. Good morning. Please ask him why he said Coghill would be his second choice, said Kenneth. I will. Um, let's see. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, ban Mark from Fairbanks. My ears are still bleeding from the last time. <laughs> uh, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, dad. My dad's in the chat room as well. Um, has Matt Beck been writing for the ADN? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, Good morning, uh, important events. Work to use your position on the radio to warn others and stop the insanity of our government. Uh, Southern border invasion. Governors required by law to protect the citizens from invasion. How about our own Governor Mike Dunleavy and what he's doing during... I don't... I'll be honest with you, Herman. I'm not really paying attention to uh, the invasion into Alaska because I don't think it uh, statistically there's a, a huge part of it. I am for securing the southern border, but uh, uh, the obviously the government is not that excited about it. Um, Mike and others ask candidates to come on like baggage and attack Sarah Palin all the time. Mike and others ask candidates that come on here like baggage, the attacker of Sarah Palin all the time. And I, you know, look, Sarah Palin is not the end all be all of everything, uh, Herman. Uh, she's got some serious issues in my mind as a candidate. Um, she won't be getting my vote in the primary. I'll tell you that right now. And I, I look, I know Sarah. I've met her. I've worked with her, had her on the program a bunch of times when she was governor and afterwards. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that there are better candidates out there than Sarah. 
I, I just that's my personal opinion. Um, so just because somebody is critical of Sarah doesn't mean that uh, I mean if you're going to listen to this program, you're going to find me being critical of a lot of people. Pretty much everybody at some point I'll be critical of something. Um, I want to know why you voted for Anchorage Mayor Butowitz, Berkowitz. Well, we'll have to see. Um, okay, I'm still scrolling through here. Um, and Herman drops another novel. Oh, you're just repeating it one more time. Same thing. Okay. Um, uh, Alaska, ex-Marine says I might be wrong. That Yeah, I mean... Yeah, you might be wrong. We all live in Alaska, and uh, I can tell you that there's a diverse population here. Um, pretty probably breaks down pretty statistically to what you see in the Pacific Northwest overall. So, uh, Kenneth says, and I have an even lower opinion of Don Young, knowing he wanted Reback to be his successor. <laughs> yeah, did you think that was possible? Did you think that was possible? All right, uh, we're going to jump into this here. We're ten seconds out. Like and share this video. Like and follow the show page, The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Okay, you ready to do this thing? Let's uh, let's jump into it. I've got a bunch of stories to cover, but as I said, I was opening up the phone lines, and uh, we're doing open line, open form right now. Uh, and so we'll go over to our first caller on the Pivotel call-in line at 907-433-3150. Uh, and it is Brady in Las Vegas. Brady, what's on your mind this morning? Buenos dias, Michael. How are you doing today? Oh, not too bad. It's Thursday, my friend. I can see Firearms Friday from here. Right on. I love Firearms Friday. I always say Firearms Fridays matters. That's right. That's right. So what's on your mind this morning? You're bringing up the Moderna again, the death shots, and they want to do this now for our infants. This is purely satanic. Uh, I've been researching what's been in these death jabs now for two years since it started. And I'm convinced it's a good way to mass genocide all the people of the world, nice and efficiently, one at a time, and getting away with it. They're, they're totally getting away with it. Why isn't anybody rising up and hanging Fauci from the biggest tree that they can right now? Okay? The, the COVID-19 was never a virus. It was a bioweapon from the start. The spike protein, which is running rampant through everybody, is going to kill them off in the next two to three years. There's 32 genetic inserts into that spike protein. Snake venom, conotoxin, AIDS, Marburg, you name it. Wow. Mad cow disease. <laughs> okay. Okay, I mean, Brady. You better hang on. This is what's coming out. Okay. Well, let, let me comment on this, Brady, real quick here. Uh, I mean, first and foremost, I'm not against a vaccine. Uh, I'm not for a vaccine. I am kind of, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm personally not getting it. Nobody in my family has gotten a vaccine for the COVID virus. Uh, I'm not against it if you want to get it. That doesn't bother me at all. Um, I think that if there was some kind of insidious plot 
over the vaccine to kill everyone uh, that we probably would have seen more. Now, I mean, granted, we've still got the VERS and the adverse reactions uh, to what's going on. We've seen some of the cardiomyopathy and other things that have happened. And, you know, people have had uh, other, uh, you know, f- uh, fatal or near fatal reactions to the uh, to the to the vaccine as well. Uh, but I, I would think that if it was some overarching conspiracy that they would uh, I think they would have done a better job at it. And it would have been as mandated as they could as they could get it right now. My comment on this whole thing with the Moderna thing and especially with children is who in their right mind is going to vaccinate their children with an emergency authorized vaccine for a disease or a virus that the children have a very, 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 very low chance of catching or having severe consequences. I mean, they quote in one of the articles, they quote that five, 453, I think 457 children have died in the last two years uh, from the COVID virus, which Again, maybe we should look at the number of number of folks who kids who have died uh, because of drowning or falling out of uh, cars or vehicle. I mean, it is probably uh, a, the it is probably a fraction of a fraction of a fraction. Uh, and yet, you want to put this. There's people out there, Brady, who on the other side, you're on one side, they're all the way on the other side that their children must be vaccinated. Why? Again, why the the ones that have the most uh, reaction or the most trouble from the COVID virus are those that already have comorbidities, the elderly. They're the ones that truly suffer. Most people, especially if they're young and healthy, have almost no, re- they're almost asymptomatic in most cases. And the natural immunity is the most important part of this. So I, I don't understand, uh, uh, you know, the, the, I, this, this thought behind, uh, you know, there's, there's people out, there's people quoted in this latest news story. Oh, I can't wait to get my my 18-month-old vaccinated. What? I mean, why would you vaccinate an 18-month-old against a disease that is got a .00 whatever chance of actually catching it or harming the child? This is all based on fear. That's what it's all based on right now. Final thoughts, Brady? Oh, yeah, I'm here. But uh, one thing, again, like... You're giving up a few things, but over a million people have been killed from this death jab. They're pulling five-foot clocks out of their body from their foot to the tip to the base of their neck. I mean, aren't you watching this stuff on TV? Uh, I'm not watching the stuff on TV. No, I am not watching the stuff on TV. Okay. Have you ever gone to basically Dr. Jane Ruby and show you all the autopsies and these blood clots that are in 80% of the people that are dead? And when they go down to do... Uh, stick the embalming fluid in they can't stick the fluid in because there's a blood clot so then they start pulling on it and it's five feet long isn't that great yeah that is definitely not great um and i'm sure i will probably somebody will send me that video and i could take a look at it but uh anyway brady thank you for calling in and giving us your thoughts on this uh like i said i don't necessarily um I don't necessarily believe in all the. Yes, I do believe this escape from a lab. I think that that's been. I think that there's uh, mounting evidence that that is the case. Even though early on the whole story was poo-pooed and Twitter pulled out any reference to it and everything else, but they've had to admit that there are possibilities that that's where it came from. I think that's where it did come from. Um, I think that this is all about fear and control. I don't think it's necessarily about killing people. 
I think it's about generating that fear and and making people compliance and allowing government to step in and mandate certain things, not just a vaccine, but all the other mandates and government controls that they put in place. And uh, But I think people should be able to make their own choice. If they want to take the vaccine, I'm fine with that. There's people in the chat room today who've taken the vaccine and the boosters and everything else. Uh, many of them have also still gotten sick. So I'm still wondering as to what the overall benefit was in the long run. That's just me personally. Uh, let's go over here and see what you have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Yeah, this is Ray from North Pole. Hello, Ray. Yeah, I, I got three comments I'd like to make. Uh, uh, first one is uh, the flu shot. Uh, my daughter and her mother got the flu shots every year since mm-hmm. 1980. Mm-hmm. And they were sick year-round. And uh, I never got a flu shot. And I've never been sick. And they would get disgusted that I never got sick, and they were always sick. Year-round, they were sick. And uh, the flu shot has also been linked, linked, have you, to autism, the uh, epidemic of autism in the last 40 years, 50 years. And uh, I'll comment on the post office is I I get my checks and take my envelopes to the post office in downtown Fairbanks, and I noticed they were putting uh, Democratic president stamps on my correspondence. Mm-hmm. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, I don't want that. And the guy says, well, that's the only ones we open up in the morning. And if you have something else, you have to buy a book. And I said, okay, I'll buy a book. And he says, well, the only other stamps we have are flowers. And I was like, you don't have conservative or uh, constitutional or uh, Alaska gold miner stamps? Nope. And I said, okay, give me a book of flowers. <laughs> and then I know people that went to work at that Fairbanks post office, uh, young young people. And when they found out in ca- casual conversation they were conservatives, their employment was terminated without reason. <laughs> so I just thought I'd mention those experiences I had. Okay. And that's all I got. Have a good day. Bye. All right. Thanks, Ray. Appreciate you calling in and uh, joining us. All right, let's uh, go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello? Are you with us, caller? Last chance. Okay. Well, we'll move over to the next one. Uh, That leaves three lines open. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Uh, This is Mark in care of the Alaska Freedom Council from Fairbanks. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Mark. Uh, did you get a chance to read the Swedish uh, uh, study that was released uh, from Lund University and the uh, the microbiology uh, report they released? I did not. Well, uh, Alaskans need to defend themselves of those in the state proctoring these kill shots. Okay. This is what's happening. It's a cloaked, slow bio-warfare kill shot. Okay. It's a cloaked, but okay. All right. Well, thank you, Mark. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, I will, you know, I, I will. I'll actually go try and track down the Lund University microbiology COVID report just to see what it says. Uh, I'm interested to see if it says something other than what other people are reading into it. I'm just curious. 
I'm now I'm now I'm curious. Thank you for your call. Let's go over here. Good morning. Here's uh, who's this? Hey, Mike Neff from Homer. Hello. Listening to your first guy there about the, the vaccine and killing everybody off. Mm-hmm. Could be, but we'll know in five years, ten years for sure. Yeah, you know, that's the one thing. I mean, I guess yeah. that's it. I mean, at this point, they've they've inoculated over half the planet. I, you know, if it's going to happen, I guess uh, there'll be a lot more. I guess there'll be a lot more real estate available if that's the case. Right, exactly, in in a lot of things, but uh, um, yeah, the whole thing is, uh, it's not a vaccine. Everybody calls it a vaccine, and it's not. It's an untested vaccine, and we will know in five years how well it did in the test, because it's the biggest test, that's for sure, that's ever been done with the public and the people. So that's kind of the bad thing right there for me. I didn't take it. I don't take a flu shot. I've never taken. I don't even take an aspirin, you know, for a headache because I don't get them, I guess. But uh, anyways, I always said I was the luckiest man in the world. I don't get that shit. But um, okay, all right, Jeff. Sorry about that. Uh, but <clears throat> you you broke my bad word barrier. Um, all right, we got to go. Uh, we're going to come up against the break, and we'll continue to take some phone calls on the other side. Uh, the Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based. Free thinking radio. I'm not going to. I guess I'll make a comment on the vax on the other side because of this Moderna story, but I think I pretty much covered it, which was the idea that somehow this uh, this uh, disease, this virus, which again, COVID is, is real, right? I mean, it is what it is. And people have been affected by it. People have died, everything else. But statistically, I'm still trying to figure out why people are so frightened and scared that they would inoculate children uh, against it when the possibilities of that, I mean, it's just, it's mind-boggling to me. That's what's mind-boggling. It, uh, anyway, interesting stuff. All right, we will, uh, we'll continue here in a moment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Uh, man, you should never open the door on the whole COVID discussion, huh? Oof. Man. Crazy. Uh, I mean, I'm over it. I'm over the whole thing. I'm over and done with it. Uh, some people just can't let it go. Um, I mean, I'm going to just proceed ahead with my life like uh, nothing has changed. It, again, if you want to get the shot, get the shot. If you don't, then don't. Uh, it's, it's you know, it, it, I just want to move on to my life and, and put it behind us. We got other things to talk about at this point. What's done is done. And... Um, you know, it's it, no nobody's talking mandates anymore and everything else. But yeah, I mean, some people, oh, it's all they can talk about. It's all still two years later. It's all they can talk about. And I'm like, nope, nope. Do what you're gonna do. You do you. And uh, I'll move on. I will move on to my own little my own little world here. All right. Um, Somebody said, dang it, Jeff, too much coffee. That's why he, that's why Rick doesn't call. 
because Jack Jeff let the bad word slip in there, and uh, you know what it is. Um, just get up, have coffee, go to work. Says Greg. That's pretty much my life right now. That's pretty much that's pretty much my life. Um, and uh, I'm I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. There's lots of other stuff that we could deal with on this. Um, all right. Where safe safe everybody's talking about everybody in the chat room is talking about the vax. Okay, I never got the shot. I take vitamins regularly. I got COVID, didn't know it. My D three level is one hundred and thirty three. Yeah, I mean exactly. I have never got it. I take zinc and vitamin D and have for years, even before COVID. I've been taking all those things, and I'm pretty darn healthy. I hardly ever get sick anyway. So I figured I was a pretty low risk. I was willing to take the chance, especially when you have no idea what the long-term effects are of the vaccine. That, that was my main concern is that there's, you, we just don't know. And I did the math and weighed it out and said, well, it's, it's a, I'll roll the time to roll the dice. <laughs> Let me just roll that out there. I'll take my chances. So there you go. Now, now we're done with it. Now we're done with that story. Remind me not to bring up any other COVID story at all, ever. Uh, <laughs> it's that magic scarf. Oh, yeah, it's my magic scarf. My magic scarf. This is a shield. It's a shield from... Oh, never mind. Um, all right. Uh, so when we get back, we're going to... Uh, uh, we're going to start talking about the... Uh, uh, we're going to start talking about the uh, uh, the heirs apparent for the Don Young race. That's going to be our story when we get back. Can you see this? Am I shadow banned? Well, I can see it, so apparently you're not shadow banned, Robert. You're fine. Um, ever, ever. Okay. Um, okay. Well, don't forget to uh, share the show this morning because, again, we're about to have N- Nick Baggage on the program. Uh, he's going to come on board and talk with us in hour two. We'll see what this is. Greg got his new dog yesterday. I saw the pictures. Cutie patootie. My wife keeps encouraging me to get a new dog. I lost uh, I lost my dog Ruger uh, last year, at the end of last year, and uh, I don't know if I'm ready yet. Uh, I don't know if I'm ready. First of all, holy cow. I don't know if I'm ready to buy another dog. I lucked out and found my dog at a shell at a uh, not a shelter, a rescue. I found my dog at a pet rescue. Cost me three hundred bucks or whatever it was. But man, you try and go find another replacement uh, dog, uh, a Boston Terrier. It's like two thousand dollars for a dog. And I'm like, I love my dog, but two thousand bucks. Oof, ow, man, that's some money. Anyway, we'll. Uh, I would. I, I would. Anybody out there know somebody who's got a, a Boston Terrier that's fairly young and that they're uh, interesting in parting with? Let me know. How about that? I love me some Boston Terrier. Um. Uh, <laughs> totally off topic. Got a call from a pollster last night. Nothing more enjoyable than sitting on the deck with a couple fingers of your post-work bourbon and talking with a pollster. Came down to the question of the candidates in the Republican and Democratic candidates, Chris By. He says, that's not a choice. Yes, he is. Not in this survey. Oh, sir, sir, click. <laughs> oh, man. 
Yeah, that's the thing. You got 48 different candidates. Do you think Chris Bai is going to get a mention? Chris Bai is right at the top of my list right now. I'll be honest with you. Chris Bai is right there near the top of my list. Uh, I am liking him a lot. So we'll uh, we'll see what uh, we'll see what happens. Um, I'd love to discuss this agriculture episode, Mr. Dukes. I saw the comment about something food places being burned or planes flying into them. I haven't heard anything about that. Laura, if you want to send me some links to it, I'll look into it and we'll talk about it here in the future. Okay. Um, we will uh, jump into this here in just a hot second. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Share the show. All right, one final segment here on the program this morning. Before we dive into it with uh, Nick Baggage, who's going to be joining us here in a few minutes, we've got the uh, we got the uh, phone lines are open here in this final segment. If you want to sound off, uh, but you don't have to if you don't want to. I'm not going to force you to do anything. I do want to talk about this story in the ADN though, real quick before we get to the phones. Um, it's a story that basically talks about. The three people who have been, in in their words, mentored by Don Young. Three candidates who in the, you know, in the last uh, couple, three, four years have all been part of Don Young's, you know, kind of uh, world, his sphere of influence. Before he died, he had tapped three Republicans as potential successors. Nick Begich III, Josh Rivak, and Tara Sweeney. Now they're all running. Revac and Sweeney ran his re-election campaign in 2022. Baggage ran it in 2020. Um, and there's some interesting points in here on this story. The most interesting point, quite honestly, though, didn't actually have to do with the uh, with any of the three candidates. It's a quote from um, Rhonda Boyles, who I Rhonda, I'm, she, she, I know her. We're acquaintances. Uh, they said uh, the quote of the story is some longtime members of the Republican Party believe that Young had overstayed his welcome in the House. To them, the seat was ripe for change even before Young died. Now, I've been blowing on that horn for about the last six years saying, you know, it's time to start. It's really is. This is even back when Parnell ran against him. I said, you know, it's time to start thinking about something else. Rhonda Boyles, who co-chaired Young's campaign in 2020, along with baggage, has now endorsed Begich's campaign. For years, she had hosted fundraisers for Young, worked for his congressional office, even cooked for him. She said in her most recent conversations with Young before his death, she urged him not to run for re-election, worrying that his health would not hold up for two more years. She said, when I talked to him at Christmas and he said, I'm going to run again, I said, I'm not working for you. She encouraged him instead to go on a cruise with his wife, who is also a personal friend. She said, why would you give another two years? I mean, you're not a spring chicken. She said that she and Begich had watched Young's change during the 2020 campaign, describing him as crankier and a less energetic version of his younger self. She, you know, and this is the same thing that I've been saying for years. This is amazing that somebody's actually coming out and saying this that was, you know, intimate with the whole situation because I've been saying this for years. It was time for him to work towards getting a successor, right? To finding somebody else that he could uh, 
that he could shape and mold into that if he wanted to continue a legacy. But uh, anyway, I thought that was an interesting quote in this whole story. And, of course, it goes on to talk about uh, Revac, who, you know, he he got the nod from the from the widow. He got the nod from the daughter. Uh, and he's the one. And then Baggage talks about his background and then goes on to Tara Sweeney and her background as well. They are really the three top three uh, tapped Republican front. Now, of course, the wild card in here is Palin. The wild card in here is Palin, who really has not done anything since 2008. And uh, as you know, this is if it's all about name recognition, she might get the nod. So she may, she's probably going to end up in the final four. But I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see what happens here, but definitely some interesting discussions going on. All right, let's uh, go over to the phones, and we'll uh, kick things off here with some phone calls uh, as we continue ahead. Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Uh, good morning, Michael Dukes. This is Mike, uh, just outside of Fairbanks. And I was wondering, Mike, if you could do me a favor and ask Nick Begich. I, I love Nick Begich. I think he would be refreshing for the state, and I love Sarah, but I think Nick Begich is uh, so pro-developmental for the state and a uh, uh, strong conservative. But I was wondering if you could ask him, Mike, why isn't he on Alex Jones anymore on Fridays? He used to be on every Friday. And also, how is his mining project progressing? So mining project and Alex Jones. Okay. Well, I will. Yes, sir. I will yes, sir. Thank you, Mike. I will ask those questions. Thank you very much, Mike, for calling in and uh, being part of it today. I appreciate it. Uh, all right, 433-3150, the Pivotel call-in line, powered by our friends at Pivotel and Satellite West over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Mike. This is Matthew up here in Fairbanks. Hey, I was just calling in. You mentioned Sarah Palin being the wild card in this race. I was wondering maybe if you had any information you could share it with the viewers uh, in reference to the campaign donation Sarah's made in, say, the last, I don't know, four years to any Republican candidates. I'm under the impression that there has been none. Yeah, from what I've, for again, I'm not the expert on this, but from some of the reading that I've uh, seen, and I know there's been some questions and comparatives that she has not been supporting conservative candidates or any GOP candidates as well. Um, and this goes back, I think, in part to her criticism when she said all the people at Fairbanks were the good old boy club, and this was just another example because she didn't get the endorsement. Although she didn't ask for the endorsement, and Begich did. In fact, nobody but Begich had asked for the endorsement, hence the reason why he was the only one that got it. So, yeah, I don't know. From what I understand, she hasn't made – again, again, I'm not an expert. I haven't dug down into this. I don't want anybody calling me saying, well, back you know, three years ago she donated $100. To, I don't know that. But uh, with her horsepower, you would think – that she could become a fundraising machine. I know at one point she had her own pack. I don't know if the pack is still in existence, but uh, I know at one point she had her own pack and was going to supposedly be supporting conservative candidates around the country. But I have not heard anything uh, from that really since early in the early days of its formation. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, Matthew. Thanks you for calling in and joining us. Now, I mean, again, not to, I don't want anybody to say, you know, not hear what I'm not saying here, but, um, you know, look, if Sarah Palin becomes the, the, the candidate, um, or if she became the, the congresswoman, I, I mean, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm just saying that I think for, for my tastes, there are people who are better candidates. 
Now, whether that means less polarizing, whether that means I think that they have a better head for what's going on, whatever. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I, I think Chris Bai is at the top of my list. Um, Nick Baggage at this point is at the top of my list. Um, I, you know, th- there's a, there's a, but you only get to vote for one, so you got to make that choice. You got to make that decision of who you're going to vote for uh, in the primary. Now, if they all got into the, you know, let's just say hypothetically that it was. Uh, you know, let's just say hypothetically it was Sarah Palin and Nick Baggage and Chris Bayh and, uh, and uh, you know, Al Gross on the, on the ballot at the end. Well, then I'm going to obviously rank, uh, I'm obviously going to rank, uh, uh, you know, Sarah Palin in there. She would not be my first choice, um, but, uh, you know, I'm obviously going to rank her in there. So, and, and that's, that's, that's. You know, that's just kind of the, the way it is. And it, we got to quit shooting inward on this. I mean, if you've got a candidate that you like, I mean, maybe you maybe you like Coghill. OK, great. That's your right to do so. I'm not I'm not I could point out the reasons why I think he's a poor choice. But even if it was Coghill versus Gross, I would choose Coghill because I know at least in some things his principles align more uh, with my own than Gross does. So I mean, I just I, I think we, we got to just quit sh- shooting at each other in this in this whole thing. That's that's what I that's what I think in the in the long run. Um, all right. Um, well, I, I guess I'm looking at the clock here. I don't have a whole lot of time. You know what I do? But I do I I do uh, want to um, I do want to say thank you to one of our sponsors uh, on the program, and that is. The bivy stick. The bivy. You've heard me talking about it, right? I mean, you, you've heard me talking about it. It's this little tiny doodad. It's a little device. They call it an SBD. And yeah, I hear you sophomorically chuckling about SBD, silent but deadly. No, no, this is a short burst data device. And what it does is it ties to your cell phone uh, through Bluetooth. You get an app, you download the app from the App Store, and you can, uh, once it's connected, you can turn on your bivy stick and you can send a text message from anywhere in the world. If you can see the sky, you can send a text or an email. Um, if you are a uh, world traveler or if you're just an outdoors person, you love to go hiking, biking, kayaking, snow machining, four-wheeling, hang gliding, skydiving, uh, you know, spelunking, whatever it is that you love to do. You know, you got to have your emergency kit, right? I mean, you do travel with some kind of emergency kit when you're outdoors in the wilderness, right? Because it's Alaska. It will kill you. Well, the baby stick is the perfect addition to that. The big, the, the, the perfect addition to that, this little device, which only costs $199, $199, will give you access to maps, will give you access to weather forecasts, and we'll also, again, give you access to your friends, families, and loved ones through text messages and emails where you can actually pin down your location for them in case something happens to you. I mean, nobody nobody believes that anything's going to – I mean, they, no, everybody wants to – got to plan for the worst and hope for the best, right? You don't plan on having an accident. You don't plan on falling between two logs in the woods and breaking a leg. You don't plan on your four-wheeler blowing up in the middle, you know, 13 or 14 miles off-road somewhere. You don't plan on those things happening, but you do have a contingency or could if you had the baby stick with you because then you can send 
a message. You can send a, a text or an email and say, hey, I'm broken down or, hey, I've fallen and I can't get up. They've even got the little check-in button that can send a pre-recorded text or a pre, pre-done text that says, hey, I'm fine. Here's where I am. I'll check in with you later. All these things are available on the Baby Stick for only 199 bucks. It's pretty simple. It's pretty easy. You can find out more by going around to the local dealers. You can find out more at SatelliteWest.com where they've got a list of the dealers. Plus, you can go to Arctic Fire and Safety in Fairbanks, South Central Radar on the Spit in Homer, Safe and Sound in Wasilla, Anchorage, and Soldotna, Lundy Marine in Dutch Harbor, Communications North in Seward. Hour two of the Michael Duke Show, dead ahead. Okay. I'm voting for the least polarized and most consistent conservative, says Catherine. I that's not a bad way to pick. I mean, 48 choices. It's not a it's not a bad way to pick it right there. If that's if that's how you're picking, then it's definitely not a bad way to do it. Good morning, Marit. Thanks for coming on board and joining us. All right, folks, do us a flavor here. Whether you're on YouTube or Twitch or Facebook, please like, uh, share, and follow. So on Facebook, you like and share, and then you can like and follow the show page. On YouTube, you can hit subscribe and ring the bell for the YouTube uh, people. And if you're on Twitch TV, you can hit the follow button. And uh, all of those things will help you stay in contact and more. I really like the share function because uh, it gets more Alaskans involved in the conversation which is what we need, more Alaskans to call in, to talk with us, to be thinking about uh, all the different things that we're uh, putting together and talking about. That's what we need. So if you can, uh, I see I've got, according to my little dashboard here, there's 60 people in the chat room, and 16 of you have shared the show. 16 of 60. Are you ashamed? Are you ashamed that you're watching this and you just don't want other people to know? Why can't you just share it? I mean, wow. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Suzanne Downing's been putting out stories about Nick Baggage's union ties and Democratic support. What do I know about this? Well, you know, I don't really know that much. Let me go back and see. Is this is a recent story? Did I miss a story? I mean, it's very possible. She changed part of the layout of her. She changed part of the layout of her uh, site, and I got to be honest with you, I'm not loving it. Um, Republicans endorsing first congressional Republicans. You know, the Palin lashes out. Uh, first congressional candidate forum. Um, uh, Mitch McConnell receives endorsement. Okay, says prosperity. Uh, I'm looking for it. I don't see the story. I'm just scrolling through the stories here because I was afraid that maybe I missed it. Uh, but I don't see the story that you're talking about, uh, Jonathan. Would you do me a favor and uh, drop me the link for the story so that I can be semi-coherent when I ask the questions? That would be that would be good. Um, all right. So we are in the break right now. We're about three and a half minutes from rejoining the radio. Uh, And I believe 
if I'm not mistaken, hanging out in the virtual green room, drinking my virtual coffee and eating my virtual donuts, we have candidate for the U.S. House, uh, Nick Beggage III. I believe he's in there right now. Good morning, sir. Is that you? That is me. I'm here, and these uh, virtual donuts are fantastic. Oh, man, just don't eat the ones with the sprinkles because I'm saving those for later because they've got no <laughs> calories in them whatsoever, man. No calories at all. So uh, enjoy the rest of them as much as you want. Have a whole plate's worth. Um, That's awesome. Okay, well, Nick, we're about to uh, we're about to come back in the radio here. we got about two minutes. You're on with me and, uh, I don't know, 80 of our closest friends between Facebook and YouTube and Twitch. Uh, as we, we simulcast the show every morning. So they're all hearing you saying hi to you this morning. And uh, we'll be jumping into this here in just a minute, okay? Sounds good. All right. We'll hold the line. Be right back to you here. Nick Baggage third will be joining us here in just a hot second as I go back through all the uh, – as I go back through here all the chats to see if there's anything that I missed. Um Good morning. Had to like on YouTube as well. When are you doing Rumble, says Timothy. I'm actually looking into Rumble right now. Um, uh, You have to have a paid version of Rumble to do it, and so I'm trying to decide uh, what level of commitment I want to do for that. Speaking of which, you know what that means. If you help support the show on the Common Sense Core, mm -hmm, yeah, Common Sense Core, I can go over to Rumble. That will help. That will help financially motivate me to go over to Rumble because it's. It's, I mean, it's like a hundred and something bucks a month, all the stuff that you got to do to get it done. Things that I'm doing right now for free, I, I would have to pay for, which I'm not opposed to, but it's got to be a good return on investment. But if I had some members of the Common Sense Corps who said, yes, I'd love to join for only three bucks a month or 10 bucks a month or 20 bucks a month, or some of you are 50 bucks a month, thank you very much for supporting the show. Um, I could, I could definitely justify jumping onto Rumble then. That's the thing. Brian says shameless. I don't know what's shameful about it. I'm a I'm a conservative. I'm a capitalist. That's what's going on. Yeah, if you want to have the proper bandwidth and no ads and everything else on Rumble, you got to pay money to get it out to broadcast. So, which again, I'm not opposed to. That good for them for creating a model that they could have a little more control over. But uh, it is going to cost money, and I've been I've just been putting it off until I can decide whether or not it's the best ROI for the show. Or whether that money should be spent on buying a new computer since I burned the other one up last week. <laughs> so, anyway, we'll uh, um, we'll see we'll see what happens. So, uh, but yeah, if you want to become a member, right there, Patreon.com/slash Michael Duke Show. That's how you help us out. That's why you why you help us out there. Okay, well, we're 40 seconds away, getting ready to rejoin. Welcome to the program. Again, like and share the show on Facebook and on YouTube. And uh, like and follow the show page on Facebook. Hit the subscribe button. Ring the bell on YouTube. Hit follow on Twitch. Do all that stuff. Obey. That's what I'm saying right now. Just get just get it done. Let's, uh, let's jump into it. Hour two of Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio, The Michael Duke Show, Nick Baggage, our guest. We are up next. Let's get into it. Let's do this thing. Put 
that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. That's right, live across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you can find the live stream, the podcast, and all the information you need about the show. And also, of course, broadcasting across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station, and or translator. It is your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. All right, we are ready to go here this morning, hour two. Pretty excited to do this. It's the first time we've gotten a chance to chat with him. Candidate for U.S. House uh, on the GOP, GOP endorsed, in fact. Uh, Nicholas Beggage III joins us this morning to discuss his candidacy and more. This is going to be a long one because we haven't talked to him before. We're going to get all the details. Uh, He joins us right now. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. Doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on board and joining us. I really appreciate it, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to our discussion this morning. Now, according to your website, uh, you've served on the board of directors for the Alaska Policy Forum. You've been uh, a fellowship with the Club for Growth. You've been uh, part of uh, the Republican uh, Party's Finance Committee. You've served on Don Young's campaign. Of course, we know that. The One Alaska Campaign. Uh, and this kind of all flies in the face, I think, of what a lot of people think. When they hear the name Baggage in the state of Alaska, there's usually one thing they think about, right? I mean, the, they hear the name Baggage and they think, oh, blue, Democrat, Obamacare, I mean, all these other things. And I think that that's kind of the visceral reaction, especially from those who are probably on the far conservative side. They hear that and they get a little leery because, let's face it, we've been lied to a little bit. Uh, but your background's different. You were raised by... Uh, a what? A Republican? I read one where a Republican mother and a Libertarian father. Give us some background on yourself here, Nick. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, born in Alaska, and um, as most people would guess, but back in the '80s, people who were here will remember that we had uh, we had uh, a oil oil issue, right? right, right. Price of oil yep. just absolutely dropped precipitously, and. When that happened, it threw the economy and people's lives into chaos. My parents split up, and I ended up eventually in in Florida with my maternal grandparents. So my my grandparents on my mom's side are, I like to say, dyed in the wool Bible Belt Republicans from Southeast Missouri. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so my grandfather, uh, you know, he was ordained Southern Baptist minister. We grew up down in central Florida, Christian school, K through 12. And uh, I ended up at Baylor university where I got a a degree in business and, um, focus on entrepreneurship and, uh, worked for a little while for a publicly traded company as an investor relations analyst, which is just fancy words for telling the financial story of the company, uh, to the street. And, um, I thought I was doing pretty good and asked my my then girlfriend's dad, if we could get married. And he said, 
I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Yeah, whoops. And uh, he said, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, if uh, if you head out and you get your master's degree, you guys can get married. So I, uh, I, I said, challenge accepted. I went back and got my MBA with a focus in information technology, IT, and uh, decision sciences, which is uh, forecasting and analytics uh, tools. And I, I went to work at Ford Motor Company after that. We did get married. Deal was a deal. So we did get married and um, ended up at, uh, at Ford Motor as a technology manager. And uh, it was kind of funny. I, I, I was over there and they said, Nick, you know, uh, we love what you're doing, doing a great job. We want to get you closer to the product because you're on the tech side. So they said, we're going to give you uh, all the future model year Mustangs. <laughs> you're going to have all the future model year Mustangs for marketing. And, uh, and so I said, wow. I mean, that was, you know, I think that was 23, 24 years old. Right. Anyway, you know, dream, dream opportunity. I get over there. They said, Nick, uh, actually we've, we've got, we've got some good news and bad news. Bad news is we had to give Mustang to, to somebody else, but the good news is we're going to give you minivans. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> so I had minivans for a year. There was, you've ever seen a Ford flex, which is uh, a sort of a long boxy post minivan minivan. That was once a, uh, a one page document on my desk. Right. Exactly. So, so I moved back to Alaska. You know, we were living, you know, in the in the outskirts of Detroit, and my wife was actually working in the city itself, and we just didn't didn't really like the area, as I'm sure many listeners can appreciate. And uh, we wanted to see where we wanted to choose to live, choose to raise a family, and build a career. And I suggested Alaska, and my wife said, "All right, let's give it a shot." And what was supposed to be two years has been almost twenty years. And I think that's a story that a lot of Alaskans probably share or those who came before us up here share. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Nick, of course, uh, as I said, one of the one of the things that people get leery about, though, is, you know, hey, they've been lied to before. They worry about it. Um, you know, you you obviously, again, uh, kind of the black sheep branch of the family tree, so to speak, you know, kind of uh, differing from the norm. But every family has one. Right. We know uh, heavily Republican families that have that one liberal kid that comes and stirs up Thanksgiving dinner, we, you know, we've got the, other. you know, I, I can imagine that that's kind of what it is, but people are looking for your philosophical roots. Now, uh, the fact that you served on the board for me, one of the things is the fact that you served on the board of the Alaska policy forum, which I think is one of the finest organizations in Alaska, as far as, you know, really, really promoting economic liberty and freedom and smaller government um, and so let's talk about your personal philosophy for a minute. I mean, yes. I, I know you're running as a Republican, uh, you know, with a Republican endorsement, but I've heard some people say, and I think I actually read it somewhere, something along the lines that you are very libertarian minded in your overall po- policy. Tell me, tell me what your thoughts is and what your philosophy is overall. Yeah, that's a, that's a broad question. So feel free to drill down as we go through, but, um, the, I, I do have libertarian streaks, you know, I'm I'm very much uh, a conservative, but I'm I'm very much pro individual freedom. And um, when you think about uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness as baseline principles for the foundation of our nation, and you go back to some of the pre-founding documents from Locke and Hobbes, talk about natural rights and uh, the fact that those rights exist without 
a government decree. The government uh, is there to protect your rights, not to instantiate them. Uh, I'm in complete agreement with that. And if that if that kind of gives me libertarian streaks, then I think that's good. I think that uh, that when when you go back to the founders and you know they were they were saying post convention, uh, you know, for the for the constitutional construction, hey, you have a republic if you can keep it. What they meant was. You know, we're individuals. We've got to hold the government accountable. We've got to remain engaged continuously. I think uh, one of the one of the folks in the chat room earlier uh, mentioned vigilance. Absolutely. We've got to remain vigilant. And uh, I think that we remain vigilant best when we think for ourselves. And, um, you know, today we've got a situation in which big tech and uh, big media have sort of uh, tacitly colluded to create a narrative that we are required to buy into. And if you're, if you're not buying into that narrative, well, you know, we're not going to allow you to speak. We're going to suppress your speech online. We're going to relegate you to the back room um, and you won't be a part of the conversation. I think that's completely antithetical to the intent and purpose of the First Amendment. It's it's uh, anti-American. And, and I was glad to see this week uh, somebody step up, Elon Musk, and say, hey, enough. Right. Right. We have got to have open and free dialogue in this nation. Right. In order to advance. Well, I, I think we could even drill down further into that one specifically since you're in IT and you understand that world a bit. I think that it's not just a collusion between big tech and big media, but I think the government has in some ways uh, subsumed some of that and used them as proxies to push more control, to push more government overreach. Uh, because they don't have the legal authority to do it, so they they collude and they partner with these uh, organizations and do that as well. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think that's certainly possible. And um, what we have seen, I mean, when you look at the uh, Hunter Biden laptop story mm-hmm. that broke late in uh, in the previous election cycle in 2020, media didn't want to pick it up. It was almost as if it didn't exist. We find out now, oh, actually, that wasn't uh, that wasn't, uh, you know, Russian operatives. That was real. Well, now we all knew that. Right. (laughs) You know, as we got as we were all collectively uh, gaslit by the by the media, we all knew it was real. But the media suppressed the information and it wasn't available uh, to the extent that it should have been to the American voter. Yeah. Why is it? Why is it important? Well, you know, Hunter Biden. He, you know, he's no foreign policy expert. He certainly didn't know anything about the Ukraine, knows nothing about energy policy. And yet he was on the board of a Ukrainian energy company. Right. I'd say today that sort of bears some 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 evaluation. You know, we look at what's going on in the world today. Doesn't that raise an eyebrow or two? And yeah. the public wasn't able to to ask those questions at that time. Because right. The role that uh, that media was playing well speaking of raising an eyebrow or two let's um i, I let's uh, let's let's go through the let's eat the vegetables before we get to dessert okay let's get th- <laughs> let's get through some of the uh let's get set through some of the more challenging things that people have thrown out there because you know while you uh, again are endorsed as a republican you've got conservative values and conservative leanings there's been some questions about some of the things that have been said or done uh, by you or the campaign um sp- you know predominantly uh, the question of supporting. Now, you were quoted back a few years ago as saying you've only you'd voted for uh, a couple Democrats. You'd voted for, uh, and it wasn't clear to me whether you voted for Tom or for Mark, but you voted for one of them, and then you voted for Ethan Berkowitz. And a lot of people are like, "Well, wait a second, are you a conservative? 
uh, Republican or not. Why would you support somebody like, for example, Berkowitz in that situation? I mean, is it true? Did you vote for him? And why? What's what's the reasoning behind it? Yeah, I've, I've never denied that. You know, one of the things I think is really important is that we should expect uh, honesty and transparency from the people that we're electing. Right. And um, someone asked me the question, hey, you know, how did you vote in that in that mayor's race in 2015? And, you know, I was honest. I said, look, you know, there was I, I did not vote for Ethan Berkowitz in the in the initial election that came down to a to to a runoff. And I wasn't involved in, in the political process at that time. I was sort of a bystander reading whatever I read in the Anchorage Daily News. And, you know, that was before, you know, some of the things that we just got done talking about you know, became more clear that that the media was sort of putting their foot on the scale for one side of the of the equation. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it was a mistake. I, I, I wish I'd have, I'd have voted differently. If I had to do over again, I would have voted differently. But, um, you know, I, as I mentioned uh, when in the materials that you were just referencing, I voted for hundreds of Republicans. I voted for a couple of Democrats in my life. And um, that was a bad vote. The uh, other thing, of course, is uh, the landmine came out with an article you're talking about uh, you receiving lots of donations from uh, Democrats and unions and things like that, which, again, uh, it makes conservatives a little squidgy. I mean, you know, after recently being stung hard by uh, Kelly Merrick with all of her background support from the unions and everything else, uh, which, of course, I, I mean, I was one of the ones I hate to say people I told. No, what are, I love to say I told you so. I told people that this was a mistake. Uh, and then it turned out to be so. And so there's a lot of questions about, uh, you know, the the support from uh, different folks who are, uh, of course, you know, your, if your family supports you, that's one thing. I don't mind if you get a donation from Mark or Tom or whoever. But when you start seeing that there are people like Lotzfeld and Constant and others who have been donating uh, throughout, uh, you know, the career to this campaign, what's your response to that? I mean, is that just a big tent theory or... Is it something that is, is there something more insidious going on here? Give me your, your take on it. Yeah. I, you know, to this day, I don't even know who half those people are. Never met them. You know, they wrote me a check and I, and I can only theorize as to why they would have given me money. I haven't gotten any money from them on this campaign. I can tell you that much. (laughs) Right. Right. I can tell you, uh, you know, it comes to to Mark. uh, I was a little surprised because Mark donated to Chris Constant. You know, I haven't gotten a check from Mark. And, right. uh, you know, I think that you go back to 2016 in that campaign, I, it was it was me and Amy Domboski, and I can only speculate, you know, that those folks thought, well, anybody uh, besides Amy. Well, um, I suspect as those people realized who they were donating to, they they, they probably regret that at, the, at this point. <laughs> I mean, maybe they regret it as much as you. Maybe they were fooled by the name as well. I don't know uh, at this point. Um, I think what people want more than anything, and I just need a quick re- a quick uh, answer to this one because we're about to go to break, but I think what, what people really want more than anything is reassurance that you are all in on the conservative, smaller government values that they uh, that they hold dear. Um, and so, I mean, it, you know, is that where you're at? Are, are you committed to smaller, more limited government to uh, to uh, you know, to to fighting what we're seeing right now in the halls of Congress and and across all the states, totally commit, totally committed. And you know, that's you talked about the policy forum. That's what we're all about. And I was I wasn't just on their board; I was their board president for three years. 
And uh, so I was, I've been heavily committed to that uh, from a policy perspective. And I think we all get wrapped up in the political side of the discussion, but it's really got to be about policy. And that's why what the Policy Forum does every day, day in, day out, Bethany Markham, amazing executive director over there. Um, that's, that's what they do. They do the hard work of making sure that what we all talk about every day actually gets codified right. into law. Right. Okay. Well, I think uh, it's a good answer, and policy is actually what we're going to discuss next. Uh, so that's a good segue into that. We're going to continue here in just a moment with Nick Baggage. We're going to talk to him about uh, his policies, his thoughts, his beliefs, some of the big hot-button issues that uh, we've heard about in the past, borders, Roe v. Wade, guns, uh, budgets, those kind of things. We're going to get down into some nitty-gritty now that we've gotten some of the background out of the way. We'll continue with Nick Baggage right here. The Michael Duke Show continues. Your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Your mental suppository. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, we are in the break right now. Nick Baggage is our guest. Uh, we did have a couple questions. A uh, caller called in before you joined up, uh, Nick, and uh, and wanted me to ask a couple questions. And they're kind of more sidebar questions, so I think this is a good place to do it here, just you and me and however many people are on uh, the Internet with us right now. But Sure. Um, uh, Mike from Fairbanks called up, and he said, uh, first of all, he says, uh, he asked, why don't you, why don't you appear – on the Alex Jones show anymore. He's apparently, did you used to, do, I didn't even know this. Did you used to do a Friday segment with Alex Jones? Oh, this is, this is all part of the, so my dad, my father, okay, he did that for two or three years. He's known Alex for 20 plus years. Okay. So it was your dad, not you that was doing the, it was Nick baggage, the second or Nick baggage, junior, not Nick baggage, the third, who was doing the Alex Jones show. That's right. And, okay. um, he also mentioned something about uh, the mining project. Now, that's something that my dad and I have worked on for years together. I'm actually a, uh, a co-owner of that uh, mine with him. Okay. And, um, yeah, that's been a fun project. It's a lot of work, but that's, uh, it, it's got a lot of potential. Okay. All right. So it's something that you're still working on. But the other thing was your dad. It wasn't anything to do with you. Correct. Okay. Um, Tuckerman Babcock in the chat room says, when I was ARP chairman, Nick was all in as a volunteer to help raise money, organize events, participate in the state central committee in the trenches for Republicans. And I, I, again, I think that there's, I, I think that there's some justifiable caution amongst conservatives when we see things like that. Like I said, especially since most recently we just, uh, you know, we got stung hard by, uh, the Kelly Merricks of the world. Um, and, and so people are very much, uh, concerned about that. Um, and, uh, and I think, you know, I, I th- I'll give you, uh, we got about three minutes here. I'll just give you the chance to assuage some of those fears to the listeners, especially those in the chat room. And it sounds like you're following along a little bit in the chat room there. Uh, we're going to get to some of these questions during the next segment, but anything you want to answer or, you know, chance to assuage people as to why you really are a conservative candidate. Well, you bring up uh, Kelly. Um, so when when Tuckerman was the chair, we set up a, a subcommittee, and the subcommittee in the party was tasked with evaluating how we would go about dealing with folks who were Republicans that were elected to state government, but then chose to caucus with uh, with Democrats. 
And I was a part of that committee. I was on that subcommittee. And the recommendation, my recommendation and the recommendation of the subcommittee was to adopt a rule that would essentially allow us to exclude those who um, chose to form a Democrat-led coalition at a time when Republicans could create their own majority, right? And that was our rule. So you talk about uh, what happened um, with Kelly and some of the others that went over with the Democrats and created that that uh, that coalition majority in the House, I was part of the, the, the group that allowed the party to uh, to take action against those those folks who would do that. And that actually leads back then to another question, which I guess I'll ask on the air again, but I'll ask you here now. So as you look at the other races, especially the senatorial race um, between Murkowski and Shabaka, with Murkowski being censured and being asked not to run as a Republican and refusing to do so, and of course getting support from a lot of the the uh, the kind of the good old boy network outside and the business as usual crowd in Washington, do you have a do you have a a, a candidate you support in that race? Well, let me just let me just say this, and this is a really important this is a really important point for folks who are concerned. Consider this: the same very same people, the very same leadership within the party core that chose to censure Lisa Murkowski and endorse Kelly Chewbacca chose last weekend to endorse me and no one else. Why? Because these people know me, right? They know me well because I've been involved. They know, they know my heart. They know my policies. They know my actions. They know I've been engaged. They know me. Right. And for the people who know me and the people that have have been involved on the on the political side, on conservative uh, Republican politics, uh, they know that I am that I am who I say. I am. All right. Hold the hold the line, Nick. We're going to revisit this in a second. We're we're out the door here in just a second. Hit like hit share. Uh, follow the show. Let's get to it. Here we go. Okay, so uh, before we get into the policies here, we were just talking with Nick Baggage during the break, and one of the questions that's come up several times over the last few days, uh, both in the chat room and in an email uh, somebody sent me uh, when they when I said uh, that I was trying to get Nick back on the pro- or get get Nick on the program. Uh, this was a question that came up, and the question was, okay, so uh, you know we. If Nick's conservative, uh, pedi- you know, uh, genealogy is to be believed, and everything else, his pedigree is 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 legit, then ask him what uh, who he supports for the race for the Senate, because obviously we have the problem with Lisa Murkowski, who's been censured, who is going her own way, who's got a lot of conservative uh, uh, Alaskans upset has been censured by the party, asked to not run as a Republican, and then you got Kelly Shibaka, who has the endorsement of the party. And the question is, ask Nick who he supports. Now, you gave me an answer here right before we came back from break, and it was it was an answer, but it was kind of a non-answer. And and I'm I I, I here's what I want: if you're not going to endorse anybody, but you are going to tie it to your endorsement, that's fine. But just tell us that you're not endorsing somebody. But would you? Do you I mean, which candidate would you support, Shabaka or Murkowski, in the upcoming race? 
Yeah, I'm I'm not endorsing anyone right now, but here's what here's what I will tell you. I will not be endorsing Lisa. Okay. I mean that's you you're halfway there. That's I'm 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 with you on that. Now you right before we came to break, just so folks on the radio understand, you made a comparative and said, "Look, Shabaka is endorsed by the Republican Party and I'm endorsed by the Republican Party." Uh I believe our pedigrees at that point stand out and speak for themselves. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh and and I'm uh, I mean I'm okay with that as long as it uh, it's a it's a denouncement of support for Murkowski. I would take that as a positive for, for the other side. But we don't even know how many people are going to end up being in that race when it's all said and done. Um, all right, well, let's talk policies here. Uh, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Um, we've got the background done. Let's talk about major policies. Uh, one of the things that I've always had a heartache uh, about with uh, Congressman Young was his uh, inevitable support of pretty much whatever bill came through as far as the budget goes. And we in this country have a spending problem. There's just no two ways about it in government. Every level of government seems to have a spending problem. But the Congress has the ability, obviously, to print their own money so they can do whatever the hell they want. What is your thought on the current state of the budget? uh, And what should be changed in your mind to reduce the size and scope of overall the budget deficit, the debt, and just this habit of overspending that we seem to have? Oh, I love this question. So this is something I've talked about throughout the campaign from the very beginning. And I do cite the infrastructure bill as an example. And, uh, you know, I've asked this question among thousands of Alaskans since we started. Uh, And it's a very simple question. You know, that infrastructure bill that passed, so-called bipartisan bill, very little bipartisan support, by the way, um, that that was about $10,000 per U.S. household in spending. Right. 10 grand. And I've asked this question. Would you have voluntarily written a check for $10,000 out of your checking account for what you received out of that infrastructure bill? I wouldn't have written a check for $10 out of my checking account for what I've received (laughs) out of that bill. But yeah, nobody, not a single person that I've asked that I've asked that question to has said yes. Now, this is what's so crazy, and it's emblematic of everything that's wrong with D.C. We're told, we're told, hey, look, I look at all the things that I got for you. But those things cost money, and that money is ours. And we wouldn't have spent our money that way. Right. And yet we're supposed to not only, not, not, not only acknowledge that that's happened, but we should be grateful for it, that we should be thankful, that we should be so appreciative that those who represent us have gone down there and spent our money in ways we wouldn't have spent it. This is the core of the problem. This is the core of the problem. And you say, well, yeah, but look at all the, look at all the wonderful things in this bill. Well, first of all, that in that, in this particular example, that bill uh, is not chock full of infrastructure. Most of that bill was green new deal priorities. The bill started as a Democrat wish list on the Senate side was peeled out of Build Back Better so they could get it through, recognizing their social priorities would be a little more difficult to get through. They found a few uh, folks on the Senate side and the House side that would go along with it. And here's what happens in a divided Congress. And this is how we kind of end up in a national debt situation, a high spend situation that we're in right now. Right. If you can convince a couple of delegations, if you can convince a couple of states' delegations, hey, We'll throw you a few bones if you just go along. You can get anything you want through the Congress. Right. And that's what's been going on. I call it the strategy of appeasement. And 
the strategy of appeasement is one in which we go along to get along, hoping that we'll get a little bit more federal support, we'll get a little bit more money. And what's happened is over 50 years, as we practice that strategy, we've lost access to the resources and the wealth of Alaska and become actually one of the most, in fact, the second most federally dependent state in the country. Right. We've created a dependency state in Alaska. That's exactly what we've done. Um, you're quoted as in several different articles that I've read over the last few months as saying you were a bit at odds with a congressman uh, on some of his positions and policies. Was the budget one of those positions that you were uh, that you were at odds with him on? Oh, abso- absolutely. And I think it was, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned that article earlier on about uh, the three House candidates that uh that were mentored by young right you know and and uh there's more than that by the way there's there's probably a dozen people in the state that were that were uh tapped by don at different times and so when i you know stepped in and i started to run he started taking some votes not not that he hadn't been taking some of these in the past but he really sort of doubled down on some of these some of these votes that I thought were bad, not just for Alaska, but for the entire nation. And so, yes, absolutely, budget was one of those. And I was not afraid to take them on on those issues. And I think if you're going to be in this race, you've got to be strong enough to say, look, and for many of the candidates who got in after he passed, I have one question. Were, were you already in agreement with the votes that he was taking and therefore you didn't want to run against him? Or were you afraid to run against him? Right. I, I love the comment that's in that article talking about that he was all in for tapping you on the shoulder until all of a sudden you said, okay, and then it became an issue. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> okay, you said step up, and now I'm stepping up, and he didn't. It, he apparently didn't like that too much. Yeah, I think uh, I can only speculate, but I, perhaps the thought of retirement was uh, was, was concerning. Yeah. I don't know. But he chose to run, and, and, hey, we ended up in the same race. And when you're running in a race, you've got to defend your record, just like he had to defend his, like I've got to defend mine. Right. And that's part of the process. Right. And, uh, you know, some of those votes, you talk about the infrastructure bill, you talk about the PRO Act, the uh, vaccine database bill, the, the strong recommendation of Secretary Holland. There were a lot of things to talk about in that race. Right. Absolutely. It sounds like you'll probably be voting no a lot if you get into Congress. Uh, and probably, I mean, the omnibus bills, of course, are usually a hot mess anyway. But even on other things, I mean, where do you think we should be at as far as expenditures in this country? Shouldn't we be you know, moving more toward, I mean, everybody's like, oh, the budget is, we need to do something. And then when the vote comes, they're all like, yes, yes, yes. Shouldn't we be voting no, 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 and pointing out the fact that we're indebting our children for what we're receiving today? Absolutely. I mean, in the last four years, we've added $8 trillion to the national debt. The national debt just crossed $30 trillion. And people say, well, look, it's, it's fine. You know, it's, it's wild because you have some economists out there advocating that uh, debt is money and you can spend forever. There will be no consequences. And we know that that is false. That is mathematically false. Right. And what we are seeing right now at eight and a half of official, eight and a half percent official inflation year over year, we know the numbers higher. Um, that is a direct result of the monetary and fiscal policies that we have adopted as a nation over these last few years. And and let me just say, it's not just Democrats; it's Republicans and Democrats, right? Oh, that absolutely. Have enabled this. 
Yeah, this is a this is a you know left wing and right wing. They're both part of the same bird problem. You know, it's a politician problem. It's not uh, it's not a political party problem. It's a politician problem where they just think, well, we'll just kick the can down the road yet another year. Um, all right, well, let's move off of budgets. <clears throat> you know, the big discussion right now is the thought that Roe v. Wade is going to be revisited here in the next couple of years with this Supreme Court, and of course, that's a very contentious issue. Um, where do you stand on Roe v. Wade? Where are you pro-life? Are you pro-choice? What what's your what's your uh, your take on this? And uh, and you know, where would you stand on a question of uh, of Roe v. Wade and uh, and abortion itself? Well, I am pro-life, and I'm I'm encouraged by the fact that the court has been revisiting this issue. I think that um, you know, as you think about what role does a House member play in this discussion, it's it's a lot less than a Senate candidate or Senate uh, Senate member would play. The Senate, of course, confirming the justices on the House side, you don't have a lot of uh, authority on this issue, but right. uh, you do you do control federal spending. Uh, because those spending bills originate in the House, and I would be opposed and am opposed uh, to federal funding for abortions. Absolutely. The border issue also, I mean, I'm a libertarian, and I know there's a lot of libertarians out there who are like, oh, free and open borders, but I live in the real world, and I realize that there are bad people out there who'd like to do bad things to people who love freedom. And so I believe that we do need to secure our uh, borders, uh, I don't know exactly the right way to do it per se, but I know leaving them open and then allowing people to come in and then shipping them all over the country and just not, I, I just think we're doing it wrong right now. What's your take on the border issue? Oh, I, to- I totally agree with that. I think, look, if you don't have borders, if you don't have secure borders, you don't have a country. The permeability at the southern border is so high, uh, it's almost as though we don't have one. And and I can tell you as so my wife is a first generation American. Her parents legally immigrated to the United States from India, and uh, they came over here. They had very little in the way of resources. They built a life for themselves, became very successful, um, and they did it the right way. And that's good. We need that. You, you know, we 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 want people who want to be here. But what we have in the southern in the southern border. It, quite frankly, is a complete disservice to people like my mother and father-in-law who did this the right way and took the time and went through the process. You know, why have a process if you're going to allow millions of people to pour into the country and do whatever they want to do? Illegally, well, right. Yeah. Illegally. Yeah, it's wrong. Yeah. It's wrong. And uh, it's a disservice to the people that have been waiting in line for years. And uh, and quite frankly, it's a national security risk because you have absolutely no idea who these people are, what their intentions are. Uh, it actually dramatically increases the burden on the U.S. taxpayer because, as you point out, they become consumers of social programs within the United States. They they cost quite a bit of money. They take certain uh, blue-collar uh, jobs off the table uh, for American workers, and a lot of the money that they make in the United States is sent back as remittances across the border back to wherever their point of origin was to support families or others back there. It's not taxed, right? So we don't have any tax revenue or any real visibility over the economic activity that they're engaged in. So there are, I mean, we can go on and on, but there are a lot of reasons why we need to fix that border situation. And the first thing we need to do is stop encouraging them to come. We've got a, an administration with Joe Biden and his team that are 
they're essentially opening the door saying, come on in. Come on in. We'll give you the free booty of the country if you come on in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that, I think that checks uh, one of the boxes for people who are listening at home. So secure the borders, protect the nation, both an issue of fairness and national security. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I think that that is uh, that's uh, that's the the right answer in my opinion. Uh, all right, we're coming up on the break. We got to uh, we got to go. One more segment is coming up. Nick Baggage the third is our guest, GOP candidate for U.S. House. We're going to talk with him some more about some of the more uh, uh, the bigger policy issues, and we'll continue uh, with that right after these messages. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Regularly heard on American radio. All right, we're in the break right now. Nick Baggage continues with us as our guest. Um, uh, Nick, something I noticed on your website, and somebody actually mentioned it earlier, uh, you, guys, you don't have any of your policy positions up on your website. Is there a reason for that? Are you trying to engage people directly, or is it still a work in progress? What's going on there? Still a work in progress. I mean, I think... You know, we had we'd been working on that, and then uh, with Don Young's sudden passing, everything accelerated. And right. you know, we're a small team; we we keep it really lean over here. It's essentially a few volunteers and me and my campaign manager at this point. Right. And you know, it's actually what's wild is I think a lot of people would be surprised when we were, uh, uh, you know, on Don Young's team in 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was me and the campaign manager and Rhonda Boyles, and that was it. You were the campaign. That's it. There, yeah. there wasn't some thirty or forty person team behind the scenes that was working on all of this stuff. It's just a small core. Now that's that's in contrast to some of the other campaigns uh, that we see often on the on the left side of the aisle, where they'll, where they'll have maybe a thousand air quote volunteers. But you know, we we keep it real lean. We're we want to be good stewards of people's uh, donations and investment. And uh, it means we end up working a lot, but um, no, you know, that was all part of the plan to roll that out. And then things, you know, we went from second gear to fifth gear directly. Right. Exactly. Okay. Um, what, one of the uh, questions has popped up several times so far this morning in the chat room was, uh, I mean, if, if you, if you believed if, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, I'm kind of smashing all these questions together to make one, but basically, if you believe in the smaller, more limited government idea and theory and model, then why in the past have you sum, uh, supported Lisa Murkowski, donated to her campaign, somebody says. Now, I haven't checked this, so I don't know if it's true or not, but you can answer that. Have you donated to Murkowski in the past? You're saying no now, but have you donated to her in the past? Yeah, I gave her, I think I gave her 100 bucks, maybe, and I don't know, I'd have to go back and look, but it could have been 10 years ago. Uh, but if you look at the, like, let's take a look at the ratings of members. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important for people to understand there's groups out there. For example, if anyone's ever watched C- CPAC, the group that puts on CPAC is called the American Conservatives Union. Right. And, uh, you know, we talk about Lisa specifically when she entered, uh, the Senate, her rating with the American Conservatives Union was in the eighties, right? 80% plus. And I think right now it's down in the thirties. And there's a reason why longitudinally, right, over time, people are tracked because their votes tend to change right. or can change. 
And so the people that you support today might not be the people that you support tomorrow. When, when, uh, when Don, um, when I was running against Don, there were many people who were previous, including Rhonda Boyles, who you mentioned in, you know, previously in the program, uh, who had been strong supporters in the past. And as some of his votes had changed and maybe policy positions had changed, that changes because, look, at the end of the day, you're not loyal to a person. You're loyal to a, a, a purpose and a policy. Right. And if the, and if people stop representing those purposes and policies, well, you know, your loyalty never lied with them. And this is part of the problem when people talk about loyalty, right? Right. In America, you should be loyalty to I, loyal to ideas, to principles. Right. Well, not, not people. Well, and I think you you make a point, especially when you're talking about over time. I mean, there are a lot of people who voted for Murkowski and given her money over the course of her tenure. Uh, as a senator, some of us kind of saw the writing on the wall and knew it, but you know, and sometimes it takes for you know more either for the inner person to come out or for them to be subsumed by the machine one way or the other. A lot of people have been fooled. I mean, I I was one of the ones that was supporting. I was a co co treasurer or co chair of the Bill Walker campaign the first time around. I mean, you know, it's it's just it's one of those things where we get stung, we learn, we move on. Uh, so I think that that's a uh, I think that that's a uh, <clears throat> an important distinction. It wasn't like you gave her money last week, uh, ten years ago. No, no, yeah, you know, right. Ten years ago, I think is it. But we've seen that we've seen many candidates change. You know, uh, Mitt Romney's changed. Some of the other ones have changed. You know, over the years we've seen it, and of course that's what's going on. All right, uh, we're going to continue on with policies here uh, in just a moment. Um, and somebody's saying about us, I haven't heard a single policy proposal. Well, I think we're talking about a policies in general right now. Uh, we start getting into proposals. We could be here for two or three hours uh, for sure. But uh, I want, I definitely want to continue to talk about uh, some of the bigger things um, and, uh, and, and even uh, tying it back to Alaska here. So uh, we're about 40 seconds out, uh, Nick. I don't have any questions for you here right at this second before we rejoin the radio. We wouldn't have time. Uh, folks, go ahead and do me a favor, if you would. Would you like and share this video? Would you uh, share it with your friends and relatives and family? Let's get more people in, in, in you know invested in here. Uh, we're trying to ask the questions that you guys are concerned about of Nick, and uh, maybe this will help answer questions for other people as well. So like and share the video on Facebook and YouTube, and then make sure that you uh, like and follow the show page on Facebook and uh, hit the subscribe button and ring the bell on YouTube to make sure you get notifications every morning when we go live. Uh, that's the best way to do it. So uh, get in there and uh, and get it done. And uh, and then on Twitch, you can hit the follow button as well. Let's go. Uh, let's get it going on here. The Michael Duke Show continues. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. All right, we're continuing now. One final segment. Our guest today, Nick Baggage III, GOP candidate, GOP candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives. He's on board with us this morning. We've been talking about policies, uh, trying to get a little bit of a better feel for what his philosophy is. Um, I want to talk a bit about defense, but before we get into that, let's talk about my favorite topic. Uh, every uh, Nick, I don't know if you're familiar with the show, but every week on Friday we dedicate the whole show to firearms, gun rights, the Second Amendment. We call it Firearms Friday. It's something that's near and dear to my heart. 
It's something that I believe the federal government has continually overreached on for the last 100 years in this country. And uh, and I want to know what your stance is on the Second Amendment, uh, on the current regs. Uh, should we be removing gun regulations? Should we be adding them? Is there one more law that will help fix what's already uh, you know broken with people who are criminals in America? Uh, or what's your take? Give us your thoughts on the Second Amendment and what you would be fighting for in the Congress in that realm if you were elected. Yeah, so I am uh, 100% pro-Second Amendment. Um, you know, it's my belief that, uh, that, that we have to ensure that people have the right to keep and bear arms, that that, is, that that amendment is not in place for hunting. That is a, that is a self-defense uh, amendment. It, the backdrop of, that, of the creation of the Second Amendment was that we were just coming out of a, a revolutionary war. And the reason that we were able to defend our rights in that in that conflict was because we had arms. We were an armed people, and our founders recognized the importance of that. and uh, And I think that it it is core to the foundations of America, and it needs to remain in place untouched. Um, you talk about uh, specific policies. You know, do we need more laws? Typically, I say no. I typically say, look, we we the last thing we need is more laws in this country. But one thing that I think would be uh, would be really good is if we had uh, reciprocity for concealed carry, as an example, right across state borders. And uh, for those gun gun owners out there, you recognize that the 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 web of reciprocity and rules as you cross from one state to another uh, with your with your weapon um, it's so complex you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. I think that the federal government. Uh, could play a role in removing that complexity and allowing that reciprocity to happen across state lines. I, you know, I'm all for reciprocity. The problem is, is that usually that requires at some point some kind of ledger or list uh, to verify who's got reci- you know, who's got a permit here or there or the other. Thing. If it was a law that basically said if you have a license, uh, if you have a if you have a concealed carry license from one state, it's valid in all states with no list required. I would be down with it. Otherwise, I see yes. it as a potential backdoor for registry, which I think is a problem. Uh, but let's go back to the you know your you know when I said more laws, you said well you generally say that there we shouldn't have more laws. How about less laws? I mean we got twenty two thousand separate regulations on the books for firearms. It's it's confusing. Using, especially for gun owners who are on the fringe of more some of the different things, like they want to do things like uh, you know suppressors or short-barreled rifles or home right. gunsmithing and things like that. What about removing some of those laws because they're not really stopping any crime? They're not really doing anything different. They're 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 really making it harder for law-abiding citizens to exercise their rights because criminals, well, they're criminals. They don't care. They break that's the right. law, right? I mean, that's the definition. One hundred percent. I totally agree with that. Criminals are going to do what they're going to do. They're going to do what they're going to do. And you make it harder and harder for law-abiding citizens to defend themselves and, uh, and to participate in the sport, to, to, to get involved, right? You raise those barriers, you're going to have fewer and fewer uh, gun, owner, gun owners in this country, law-abiding gun owners in this country. Um, you know, and there's a lot of innovation, a lot of interesting things that are happening right now, um, with respect to 3D printing and some of the other technologies that are out there, they're actually interesting. They're pretty exciting uh, developments. And, you know, I'm, I'm pro innovation. And I think that, uh, that this is no different from any other area or sector 
And uh, we should be encouraging that, not discouraging that. The uh, Supreme Court is now hearing the New York case about shall issue. Um, are you in favor of the shall issue statute being able to bear arms outside of your home? Uh, you know, Heller said you could have them in your home, but this is supposedly going to clarify whether or not you have the right to bear them outside the home. Do you support that? Yes. Yeah, I, I absolutely do. Okay. What What is the point of bearing arms if you can't bear them outside your home? Yeah. I'm with you 100% on that. Good answers. All right, we're coming down to the last few minutes here. I do want to touch briefly on defense. Uh, I mean, you know, we've <laughs> all the way back to Eisenhower, you know, beware of the of the military industrial complex. And of course, we've seen billions of dollars, trillions of dollars over the years be spent on defense. Um, we're shifting into a new age of warfare. We're seeing what's going on in uh, Ukraine and Russia. We're seeing what's happening with China and the South China Sea. Uh, you know, we've got the new cyber warfare stuff. We've got the whole uh, the the uh, area of operations now covering space and other things. Where do you see defense going? Give me two minutes here. Where do you see defense going on this? And uh, and and have you do you have any experience with them? You don't have any military service, right? But you you have some uh, some thoughts on it. Yeah. So my here are my thoughts. Look, I think we need to be um, cognizant of the fact that we continue to live in a world in which there's conflict. And I think the left would have us believe that we can all be holding hands. And I think that's naive. You know, you look at uh, what's going on in the South China Sea. Uh, you look at the, the, the development developments with China with respect to building up their Navy, creating artificial islands, right? And then installing military bases on those islands. I mean, right. the militarization of that part of the world uh, and I think that when you illustrate, when you have a weak hand, it encourages aggression on behalf of your adversaries. And that's what we've seen. That's what we've seen in the Ukraine. And um, that said, I, I, I want to say I want to make an important point. And that is uh, we have, in my view, practiced a strategy of national offense, not national defense. And that is a, that's a challenge. I mean, I think when coming off the backs of decades of war, uh, you know, you look at that and you say, what really what role does our foreign policy play in creating or fomenting international conflict, whether we're directly engaged or not? And I think that's a critically important question for us to ask as Americans and American citizens, because our tax dollars and our men and women are being sent into conflicts oftentimes where you know people are scratching their heads going, why are we over there? What is the objective? And right. how many trillions of dollars are we going to spend on this before we say, hey, that's enough? And those are valid questions, reasonable questions for the people of America to be asking. Right. And um, and so I think it ties into foreign policy. You know, what role do we have uh, with respect to what's going on in the Ukraine? What did we contribute to this? Did our policies contribute to to the preconditions for this conflict? Those are important questions, and we should not be afraid to ask. No, we have as much blame in many cases and in many parts of this thing with the Ukrainian issue as the Russians do themselves by continuing to dangle NATO membership in their in violation of treaty and other things. We set the stage for this to happen, uh, and it's unfortunate. Uh, and, and, of course, the question then becomes, do we need to be the world's policemen? Do we need to be trying to export democracy, or should we be paying attention to our own borders and our own close personal assets uh, and, and issues uh, instead of trying to do all these other things in the world? Yeah. Yeah. Um, down to the last uh, minute and a half here, uh, I'm going to give you the floor for your elevator pitch, what I like to call the elevator pitch for folks out there who may be thinking about it. Maybe they've heard some rumors. Maybe they've gotten truths or half-truths or lies. 
What uh, give us your elevator pitch for why Nick Baggett should be their candidate for U.S. Congress? You got about a minute. Yeah, it's a great question. I think you know at at the end of the day, there there is a lot of confusion out there. We got 48 candidates on the ballot. I'm one of them, uh, but there was only one conservative that was willing to take on these core policy questions before the passing of Don Young. Right. That was me. I was willing to do it, and I was willing to speak truth to power, talk about the issues, talk about what made sense for the state and the nation and what didn't. And, uh, you know, I think that's important. I think as you're trying to sort through who's who and what's what, who the opportunists are, uh, what the motivations are, I think the, the what and the why matter equally. So what is the policy? The why is why are you seeking the yep. seat? And, uh, you know, I, I'm look, I, I, I will tell folks out there, I, I'm not looking for a 40 year career in the Congress. And I, I, I'm not going to do that. OK, I don't think it's healthy. Uh, but I do uh, think it's healthy for us to have folks who've got experience. Nick, Nick Baggage, U.S. Uh, uh, for the U.S. House. Sorry, sorry, Nick. I literally ran right up to the hard stop there uh, on that. <laughs> so if, go ahead and finish. Go ahead and go ahead and finish out your thought. People can watch this on Facebook or listen to it on the podcast later. I'm sorry. Go back and finish your thought. Yeah. So you know, at the end of the day, I think that it's it's important that we ask. You know, why is someone there? And you know, my intent is. Look, I come from the private sector. We talk all the time about, hey, we need to open up the private sector's potential, the potential of Alaska. We need to unlock Alaska. But, you know, we only got four ambassadors. We got our governor, our two senators, and our House member. And I think it would be helpful if one of those folks, and this is not a knock on anybody, okay, but to have someone from, from the private sector to come in and provide that part of the perspective. I've spent my career on the private side. I haven't held a government job. And I, I haven't held political office. Some think that's negative. I think it's a positive. Right. And uh, and I think we need more people to come in from the private side to introduce that part of the perspective and help us to unlock the full potential of this great state. And that's what I hope to do. One final question, because it came up and I think it's a good one and I should have asked it earlier. Um, what are you going to, what are your priorities going in? I mean, let's say I wave a magic wand. Nick Baggage is now the congressman for all Alaska. Um, Nick, what, what would be your priorities going into the, uh, to the Congress if that was the case tomorrow? Yeah. First, first off, I don't think you can represent the state of Alaska if you're not pro resource development and I'm very much pro development. So development means a lot of different things to different people, but, uh, to me, it's oil, gas, coal, critical minerals, rare earths, base metals, precious metals, um, timber, fishing, tourism. We're a resource state. And we have always been a place where resources drive the economic activity. Uh, even if you go back to the Russian fur trading days and the gold rush and the oil boom, that's what Alaska is. If we want to grow the economy beyond that, we've got to lower the cost of living in the state of Alaska and focusing first on the cost of energy in Alaska. Because if you're going to add value to the resources that we extract, it's got to be economic for companies and, and people to do so. And right now, it's just simply not. So a lot of the resources that we have in the state, they just simply get shipped out without being processed to another location where value is added. And so if we're thinking about growing the economy, we've got to unlock the ability for us to extract the resources. And then we've got to lower the cost of living and the, and the cost of implicit manufacturing uh, and processing in the state of Alaska by lowering the cost of energy. Um, another way that we can lower the cost of, uh, of living in Alaska is, is to repeal the Jones Act. 
And this is another thing we didn't really have a lot of time to no, get into. No, that's a whole show right there. Uh, that is, it's a whole show right there. But I'm very much in favor of getting rid of the Jones Act. I think it's a hidden tax on Alaskans, and it's it's done great damage to not just the state but the entire country <clears throat> because of what it encourages uh, is for us to ship again those resources out of the state of Alaska to foreign jurisdictions. Uh, rather than process them here in the United States, right? And this um, is this is again that's something that uh, is opposite of what Young, because Young supported that, and I think that was one of his biggest, most glaring mistakes. Again, we haven't had a we haven't had a passenger vessel built in this country in over seventy five years, and yet this piece of legislation is still there, as if we are fighting uh, other countries to make those things. That's right. You know, and <clears throat> what happens when you have that government distortion? In, a, in the free market is that you actually become less competitive, not more competitive. Right. And our shipbuilding industry, as a result of that protectionist measure, has become increasingly less competitive. And if that were repealed, I think in the end, it would be healthy for that industry and it would be healthy for, for all industries, particularly up here in the state. So uh, you talk about priorities, that's a priority. We, taught, we touched on uh, federal spending and national debt and the, and the resulting inflation. And I think being uh, being a voice in Congress that can start to talk about the fundamentals of economics and how these things are connected, how increasing the money supply has resulted directly in this inflation as we've had monetary velocity, the speed with which money is flowing through the economy pick up uh, post-COVID response. So, you know, all these things are connected and someone, you know, we need more voices in the Congress that understand how they're connected. Yeah. Because these are the people that are making the policies. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then finally, uh, big tech. And we talked on, we talked about that as well. But as someone who spent a career in technology, I understand uh, how big tech uses its subtle influence to change the nature of the dialogue and discussion in the country, whether it's Google suggested search results or suppressed speech and shadow banning and all these other little tools and techniques that are used by, by big tech to suppress and silence speech. I think we need folks who come from the industry who can call these executives on the carpet and say, look, you, you may be able to fool some of these people, but I know the truth about right. how you guys do this. Exactly. And uh, I'd be involved in that conversation. Well, it should be would be nice to get government out of the way of private industry and get those things going and get them out of bed with some of the crony capitalists that they have uh, uh, they have been, you know, been betting for all these years, whether it's the military or big tech or big media as well. It would be nice to see all of those things come out. Uh, Nick, was there anything that I didn't get to that I didn't ask or something that, you know, didn't get brought up that you want to put out there real quick here before we end? No, I'm excited about the race. You know, I think this is, uh, this is probably the most complex, bizarre and wild race that Alaska has ever seen. It's, uh, it's been fun. It's been interesting, but you know, more than all that, you know, we can get wrapped up in the political entertainment aspects of all this. (laughs) But, but I think at the end of the day, we need to remember that we've got serious work to do. Yeah. This is real work. This is not for entertainment. This is not for fun. This is not, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be cool to watch these fireworks? We got, we have opportunities in the state that have yet to be realized. Tremendous opportunities, but we need someone who understands the issues, is articulate on the issues, is not afraid to talk about them and advocate for us as that lone voice down in D.C. I hope to be that voice for the people out there um, that are listening, and I thank you for, for being engaged. And I wish we had more engagement uh, from, from folks like those who are taking the time to listen, to be a part of the conversation online. 
thank you for for being a part of the solution. You say political entertainment, and all I can think of is gladiatorial games, which of course then leads me to believe of bread and circuses to think that a lot of that is just a sham to hide exactly what's going on behind the scenes, which is everybody gets more power except for the people, and I and I I just find that to be the most frustrating thing uh, thing ever. Uh, Nick, yes. I'd I'd love to invite you to come back on again here in a in a, a few weeks. I'm trying to get some of the other candidates on, but uh, I would love to have you back on again to discuss uh, more of these things in detail. Um, and if you're willing to do that, I can reach out to uh, to Truman and we can uh, we can uh, we can do something. I'd love about to that. do that. Yeah, and and I really appreciate the fact that we finally, you know, I've done a lot of shows, but this is one where we finally got to talk about policy. Yeah, and that that's great. Right. I love that. Well, that's yeah. why I believe in long form. I don't believe in short interviews because I think you need to get the full picture. Um, and I know some people hate that because they're all ready for the 146 character soundbite. But I think uh, I think it takes uh, I think it takes a lot more uh, in depth stuff to figure out people's motivations. And I appreciate you coming on. So thank you. Thanks, thanks for, for having me. Thanks for being part of it, Nick Baggage, uh, our guest today here on the program. All right. Well, <clears throat> I mean it. This time we're done. Thank you uh, for being part of it, my friends. We will uh, have him on again here in the future to talk deeper on the political aspects of his policy and his philosophy. We are working on getting uh, Sarah Palin on. We're trying to get, I've reached out to the uh, Al Gross people. Um, I mean, I don't know if he'll actually come on. That'll be interesting if he does. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to reach out to some more of these candidates and see what we can come up with. All right. We are out of time, my friends. Thank you for being part of the show. Uh, I didn't get a, I forgot to ask the Coghill question. We'll ask him that next time, okay? Thanks for coming in. Like and share. Like and share this video. Like and follow the show page. And uh, let's, uh, let's move along. We'll see you guys tomorrow for Firearms Friday. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show